Well, as we begin today, I wonder how many of you want to see the power of God displayed in your life? Uh, see, raise hands here. Those of you online, you can type it in the chat. You want to see the power of God working in your life. That'd be all of us. And today, as we continue in our series called Encountering Jesus, I want to talk to you about that because it's going to look sometimes a little differently than what we think it's going to look like. And so what we are doing in this whole series is we're looking at various encounters that people have with Jesus and then how their encounter with Jesus impacts our lives then as well. And so if you have a Bible today and you want to turn to John chapter 9, that's where we're going to hang out again. John chapter 9. We're going to look at a story of a man who is absolutely desperate in his life. And as we enter into this brand new year of 2023, some of you are desperate in your lives right now. Maybe not in the same way that this man is. He, he's desperate for a physical healing, but maybe you're desperate for a financial healing. Or maybe for you, it's a relational healing of some sort. Maybe you're desperate in your life because you're like, I desperately need to know, does God love me? Does, does God, he, he want to forgive me? Or maybe you want to know, is God going to come into the situation that I'm going through right now and help me out in some way? Now, what I want to do before we actually start looking at the scripture is I want to actually tell you how it's going to end. I know that that's not normally how we would do things, right? Uh, you know, spoiler alert, I'm going to tell you the end of the story. But I think of you knowing the entire story here, it's going to help make some of the things early in the story make a little bit more sense. So here's what's going to happen. Jesus is going to encounter a blind man. And this blind man, he's been blind since birth, and he's desperate to, to be healed. And Jesus is going to do that. Now, at first, his family and friends are absolutely amazed that they're like, wait, is this even our son? How is it that he can see? And so they're going to doubt for a little bit. And so they're going to get the Pharisees involved, and the Pharisees are going to start asking questions. And eventually, basically, the, the guy's parents sell him out. They're like, look, we, we don't know what's happening here. They, they don't want to get kicked out of the temple. And so they just sort of say, you've got to ask him. And so they start interviewing the, the guy that's been healed. And he's like, you know, trying to explain to him what happened. The Pharisees aren't buying it. And they're basically, they're trying to put some pressure on him to discredit Jesus. Eventually, he's going to say, look, I, I don't know. I, all I know is I once was blind, but now I can see. And the Pharisees just keep putting this pressure on him. And then Jesus is going to show back up because the guy does, in fact, get kicked out of the temple. Jesus is going to show back up, and he's actually going to give a lesson to the, spirit, uh, the, the uh, Pharisees that spiritual blindness is actually worse than physical blindness. Now, again, I thought you needed to know sort of that whole thing because it's going to make it, the rest of it make sense a little bit more. So let's start with the story, John chapter 9, verses 1 to 2. We read, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or because of his parents' sins? Now, we talked about this last week, didn't we? That Jewish culture, they believe that if you were born with any sort of physical disformity, that, well, number one, they believe that you should be immediately executed. But if you weren't immediately executed, they said that, it was because of somebody's sin. You know, it was the, the parent's sin, or they had this belief that possibly the, the child had sinned in the womb. I don't know exactly how you sin in the womb, but they had this belief that either the child had sinned or the parents had sinned. And so Jesus' disciples, they had grown up in this culture. And so they asked Jesus, they're like, Rabbi, well, why was he born blind? Was it his fault? Is it his parents' fault? What's the deal here with this? Jesus answers then in verse 3. It was not because of his sins 
or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so that what? So that the power of God could be displayed in him. Again, that's what I want to talk to you about today is what is it that we need to do to make sure that the power of God is being displayed through our lives? And a lot of times it's going to look way different than what we think. But that's what Jesus said. He was born blind so that the power of God may be displayed in his life. And there is a little lesson here for us, and it's this. That's simply that the purpose of our suffering is always greater than the cause of our suffering. Say that again. Learning the purpose of your suffering is always greater than knowing the cause of your suffering. Now, don't get me wrong. You should want to know what is the cause of my suffering because a lot of times the cause of our suffering is because of our own stupid, sinful decisions that we've made. And so if that's why you're suffering is because you're doing something stupid, you're doing something sinful, cut it out, stop doing it. But again, understanding the purpose behind your suffering is always greater than knowing the cause of your suffering. Let me give you an example here. Cancer. Some of you have dealt with cancer. Many of us, I would say probably all of us, have had somebody close to us that have experienced cancer. Now, you may know the cause of the cancer. You're smoking three packs a day, you get lung cancer, there's a probably a pretty good reason why you have lung cancer. But again, whether you know the cause or not, the reality is you have cancer. You can't do anything about that. You can't do anything about the past, but you can say, God, with your help, help me to find the purpose in why you're allowing this cancer in my life so that ultimately your love and your grace and your power may be displayed because of my cancer. Sort of what Paul's talking about in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, when he says, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, I've talked about this before. God isn't saying here that all things are good. What he's saying is that in all things, good can come from it. So even in the midst of our suffering, even in the midst of our trials, good can come from it. God's power can be displayed despite what's going on. Again, the, the key is, Paul says, it's for those who love him who are seeking his purpose in it, then all these things will happen. Now, the, the key here is that God be glorified, that his goodness and power be on display. So how can, how can that happen? Well, let's go back to cancer again. If you get cancer, one of your loved ones get cancer, I get cancer. What am I going to pray immediately? I want God's power to be displayed because of a healing that a prayer has been prayed, that hands have been laid on you, and miraculously, you were healed. You know, the, the doctor said, you have no chance. Your, your body is ravaged with cancer. And just, man, through the power of prayer, you go back in and they go, we don't know how it happened. But you're cancer-free. You're able to say, that's the power of God being displayed. Now, isn't that the way that we want it to happen, right? We want that miracle to happen. That's how we want God's power to be displayed. But what I'm trying to get you to see here today is that sometimes God's power is displayed through you just sustaining in your weakness and still showing the power of God. Does that make sense? 
that people look at you and they go, wow, even in the midst of this, we still see the hand of God. There's actually a great example of this. Uh, I just, this past week, uh, Karen asked me a question. She's like, she said, have you, have you watched the, the, the latest season of The Chosen? And I was like, no, I haven't yet. She had a question. She's like, well, I don't want to be a spoiler alert. So I felt pressure this week, Karen, to, to watch all the episodes. So it's all your fault that I was sitting in front of the... No, I'm kidding. No. But no, I, I got caught up on the, the latest season of the, the four episodes so far. And, and there's actually a great example of this. And it's in episode three. Um, little John, he's depicted in, in it, in Little John being one of the disciples, as somebody who has to walk with a, with a cane. And Jesus, he's giving them this command that, like, you're going to be able to go out, and you now are going to be able to lay hands on the sick, and you're going to be able to cast out demons from people. And little John's like, I can't do that because I haven't myself been healed yet. And Jesus gives this great lecture then, and he's talking to them about, hey, look, God's power is going to be displayed through your weakness. It's actually going to be a greater testimony that this is happening than had you been miraculously healed. And so if, if you haven't seen it yet, I, I'd encourage you, you know, catch up on the, on the chosen with that. But that, that's such a great example of Jesus saying, look, and, and Paul talked about it, that your power, or his power is made perfect in your weakness. And, you know, we have a great example from here at Exponential of somebody with that. And I got her permission to, to share this. And I was hoping to sort of have it as a video testimony, but we weren't able to uh, work it out in time. But Brenda, Brenda Seaver here at the church. You know, last year she got diagnosed with cancer. And I, I asked her, I said, Brenda, has God's power been displayed throughout your cancer journey as you've gone through the, the radiation and the chemo and all that kind of stuff? And she said, absolutely. And she like sent me back this, like there was five different stories that I could share with you that she had shared with me. Uh, family members and friends and people at the hospital and even complete strangers that saw the power of God being displayed. Uh, I'll share with you one of the stories. So as many of you know, Brenda does journaling. And she's part of a, a Facebook group, you know, uh, that, that talks about journaling and everything. One of the ladies in the journaling group said that, oh, no, the doctors think I may have cancer. And so Brenda reached out to her and just wanted to encourage her. And the lady basically, she's like, I don't even have cancer. You do have cancer, but yet you seem to have more peace about this than I do. What, what's going on? And Brenda said to her, it's because I know I win either way. And the lady's like, what do you mean? And Brenda said, if I get healed, I win. If I die, I win because I know I'm going to see Jesus. Yeah, amen. God's power was displayed even despite her weakness. Now, here's the good news. Brenda's well on her way of recovery now. She's been through all this stuff. She's still got some, some things to go through, but she's in remission. Things are going good for her. She's been back here at Exponential. Uh, some of you have seen her recently. I, I know I saw in the chat earlier she's feeling a little under the weather today, so continue to pray for her. And then the, the lady that she was sort of reaching out to, turns out she didn't have cancer, so that's pretty cool. And Brenda and her have stayed in contact. They've become friends. And, you know, Brenda continues to share the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus with this woman. So, Brenda, thank you. I know you're tuning in online right now. Thank you for that testimony. That God's power can be displayed even in 
our weakness. No matter what the circumstance. And here's the promise we have. Look at what the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4.17. For our present troubles are what? They are small and won't last what? Very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. See, when Jesus is number one in your life, it doesn't matter what gets taken away from you. It doesn't matter what type of suffering that you have to endure. You realize that his goodness outweighs everything and that your reward is ultimately the reward you're going to have in heaven. No wonder the Apostle Paul himself, who endured shipwrecks and beatings and being whipped and uh, you know, snake bitten, no wonder he's able to, to write all this. In Philippians 1.21, he says, If I live, it will be for Christ, and if I die... I will gain even more. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. Our sufferings in this world are very, very short. But yet if you do what Paul talked about here, and you do what Jesus talked about here, and you endure, and you allow God's power to be on display, your reward will be great in heaven. All right, now let's get back to the actual story here of Jesus healing this blind man. John chapter 9, verses 6 to 7, we read, Then Jesus spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud all over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. And so the man went and washed and came back seeing. Now, this is a really cool miracle, but it's also very gross. Let's just be honest. How many of you had your mom or your grandma when you were growing up? You had a little smudge on your face. They were like, thank you. And then they were like <laughs> doing that to you, right? And it was even gr- when you had like crusty things in you, like, you know, we call them bed bugs. I don't know what you call them. You know, yeah, you had the bed bugs in your, yeah, uh, yeah, you know. And, and like they're like doing that. And it's like, ew, it's your spit in my eye. That's just nasty. I can still feel that to this day. I mean, ugh. Hmm, give me a moment here. <sighs> Whew, my mother's tuning in online. I'm looking right at you through that camera, Mom. <laughs> By the way, my mom and dad celebrated her 50th wedding anniversary last week, so can we give them a big hand? And uh, this time tomorrow, we will be in Costa Rica uh, celebrating their uh, 50th wedding anniversary. So uh, pray for us as we go on our our trip this week to to celebrate that. But um, that is nasty getting spit in your eye, you know? And so Jesus, what does he do? He (laughs) spits on the ground and he's like mixing this all up, you know, kneading this dough ball of mud, right? And he's like rubbing it in this guy's eye. Why, Jesus, why? Because we know Jesus in other miracles, he doesn't do that. Sometimes he just lays his hands on people and they're healed. Sometimes he just speaks the word and they're healed. Why in the world is he going through all these dramatics of spitting on the ground, making this dough ball of mud and rubbing it on the guy's eyes? Well, I think verse 14 helps to answer the question. Let's look at it together. Now, the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was what? It was a 
It was a Sabbath. Now, this starts to make a little bit of sense here. You see, after the man's eyes are healed, again, he goes to his family and his friends, and they're amazed, and they wonder, what in the world happened? How is it that you've been healed here? The man goes, well, there's this guy. He came, and he spit on the ground, and he made a mud ball, and he rubbed it in my eyes. Then he told me to go wash in the pool of Siloam, and I did, and now I can see. And I'm like, this is the strangest thing that has ever happened. Maybe this was God in some way. Ah, we got an idea, and we read about this in verse 13. Let's take you to the Pharisees. They'll help us to figure out if this is from God or not. And so they get to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees start asking all kinds of questions and everything. And then all of a sudden, the Pharisees are like, whoa, 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 wait a second, back up. What day did you say this happened on? On the Sabbath day? <gasps> what? Now again, it's starting to make a little bit of sense. Remember our old friends, the Pharisees, we talked about them last week. Go ahead, you know the joke. They are very fair, you see, very good. See, you guys are getting this. It's the Pharisees, the religious elite. They're following all 613 commands of the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. Now, let me ask you a question. Is there a command out of the 613 that says that you're to do no work on the Sabbath? Yes or no? Yes, there is. So they're following those, but what else did the Pharisees do? They added a bunch of extra rules on. So you know what the Pharisees did? They literally had hundreds of different rules of what it meant to do no work on the Sabbath. You can do this, you can't do that. You can do this, you can't do it. If you do this, you can only go that far to do it. Or you can only lift this amount. I mean, they had all these different rules. You know, one of the rules that they made up for the Sabbath is that you weren't able to knead bread. You couldn't get a, a, a dough, you know, starting to go. You, you can't knead bread. And so immediately, as soon as they hear how Jesus had done this miracle, he had done what? He had spit on the ground. What does he do with the dirt? He's kneading it together to make a little dough ball, basically, to rub on this man's eyes. And in their mind, they're like, Jesus violated the Sabbath. He is a sinner. Now, don't you think that Jesus knew this going in? The answer is yes. Jesus is intentionally creating a little bit of conflict here with the Pharisees so that he can show them that they are the ones that are actually the blind ones in this entire story. He wants them to see that even more important than having your physical eyes open, having your spiritual eyes open is even greater. In other words, he wants to show them just how blind they really are. And in order to show them how blind they are, he has to violate one of their Sabbath rules in order to make his point. And so really today's encounter isn't just about Jesus encountering a blind man and the lessons we can learn from this blind man. It's also about Jesus encountering these Pharisees and the lessons we can learn about how to make sure that we're not spiritually blind. See, Jesus realized that spiritual blindness is something that can impact all of us. We may never be physically blind like the man in the story, but all of us were born spiritually blind, and at some point we have to have our spiritual eyes open. 
Let's get back to the story. In fact, we'll get to the very end of the story now. This is when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. We read this in verses 39 to 41. Then Jesus said, I entered this world to render judgment and to give sight to the blind and to show those who think that they see that they are blind. Some Pharisees were standing nearby, heard him, and they asked, Are you saying we're blind? And Jesus replied, If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, but you remain guilty because you claim that you can see. Remember, Jesus here isn't talking about physical blindness. He's talking about spiritual blindness. He says, I've come into this world in order to give sight. And his problem was with the Pharisees is they claimed that they could see it better than anybody else when it came to spiritual matters. But yet, Jesus says they were blind and they didn't even know it. In other words, they were blind to their blindness. Which begs the question, how do you and I know? Those of you that are tuning in online, how do we know if our eyes have been open from a spiritual standpoint? How do we know that we're not like the Pharisees and that we're blind to our very own spiritual blindness? Well, that's where I think, again, this encounter that Jesus has with this blind man can teach us some lessons because there's some things that he does in this story that helps us to know, are my spiritual eyes open or not? So if you're taking notes here today, the the first point on your outline is that spiritual sight will lead to my radical obedience. Again, spiritual sight will lead to my radical obedience obedience. So Jesus makes some mud, he puts it on the man's eyes, and then again, we read this earlier, but let's read it again, verse 7. Jesus told the man, go and wash your eyes in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. And so the man went at what? He went at once and came back seeing. Not one time in this story do we read of this blind man resisting Jesus in any way. So Jesus spits in the ground, makes a little bit of mud, starts rubbing it in the man's eyes. The man doesn't resist. He just lets Jesus do it. And then Jesus says, now, go, wash in the pool of Siloam. And at once, immediately, he obeys what Jesus says. That's a good lesson for us. We need to allow Jesus to do whatever Jesus wants to do in our lives, even if it means gross things like rubbing some spit-filled mud on your eyes. So whatever Jesus wants to do, you need to allow it to happen in your life. And then whatever Jesus says for you to do, you need to immediately obey it. How do I know it was actually Jesus speaking? Well, I've talked about this before. As long as it's not immoral, unethical, sinful, illegal in some way, you know, if you're hearing something like that, that's not Jesus. But as long as it's none of those things, then obey. Do what it is that Jesus is asking you to do. No matter what other people may say about you, no matter how much they may laugh at you or mock you, obeying him is always most important. So just obey. So again, number one, spiritual sight will lead to my radical obedience. Number two, spiritual sight will lead to great boldness. There is multiple times here in this story as we're about to read that this man is going to be incredibly bold because of Jesus. He stands up to the Pharisees. Now, let me remind you, the Pharisees had the ability to kick people out of the religious system, to kick people out of the synagogues, to kick kick people out of the temple. But this man doesn't care. In fact, the second time, as the Pharisees are, are pressuring him, because they keep going, look, how did this happen for you? 
And he keeps telling the same story over and over. Look, this guy took this, you know, spit on the ground. He made some mud. He rubbed it in my eyes, told me to go wash in the pool of Siloam, and I did. And they keep pressuring him that this can't be of God because this man is a sinner because he did it on the Sabbath day. What happened? Listen to the boldness of this man, verse 25. The man replied, I don't know if he's a sinner or not. All I know is that I used to be blind, but now I can see. And the Pharisees, they're outraged. Come on, tell us, how did this happen? You need to tell us. And so with increasing boldness, look at verse 27. Look, the man exclaimed, I told you once, didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> you can imagine the reaction of the Pharisees. They're really fired up, verses 28 and 29. Then they, meaning the Pharisees, heaped insults on him and said, you are his disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. And with even more increasing boldness, Look at the next couple verses, verses 30 to 33. <laughs> the man says, why, that's very strange, he, he replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from? We know that God listens only to people who love and obey him. God doesn't listen to sinners. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. This man were not from God. He couldn't have done it. see the increasing boldness this man has because now his eyes have been opened, not just physically, but spiritually as well. And again, the Pharisees, they can kick him out of the temple. And it's not like today, like if you get kicked out of a church, you'll just find another church in town to go to. That isn't how it worked. In that society, in that culture, when you got kicked out of the church, when you got kicked out of the temple, you were done, not just from a religious standpoint, but this impacted you socially. You were sort of an outcast of your entire community. This hindered your ability to like have financial opportunities in your life. I mean, this was a big deal if you got kicked out. And I mean, you know, his parents... I, I didn't read it to you, but I, I told it to you a little bit earlier. His parents, when the Pharisees were pressuring them, they're like, he's of legal age. Go ask him. Because they didn't want to get kicked out. But you notice the boldness he has here for Jesus. He doesn't care if he gets kicked out. All he cares about is a relationship with Jesus. So he's bold. And we need to be bold in our faith no matter what the cost may be. Number three then, spiritual sight will lead to my total surrender. So we continue to read the story. Indeed, what happens is they kick him out. He's done. We'll pick the story back up in verses 35 to 37. When Jesus heard what happened, he found the man and he asked, do you believe in the Son of Man? Now, this is an Old Testament saying, the Son of Man, that is... Uh, talking about the Messiah. And so Jesus says, do you, do you believe in the Son of Man? In other words, do you believe in the Messiah? The man answered, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is the one speaking to you. 
And here's the part that kind of blows my mind. Look at verse 38. The man said, Lord, I put my faith in you. And then he did what? He worshiped Jesus. Now, as you look at the uh, Greek here, there's multiple words that we translate as, as uh, worship. But this particular one, as you look at it in the Greek, it literally means to get down on your knees and bow down and, and lie down, prostrate onto the ground before somebody else. Now keep in mind, the, the Pharisees, they're still nearby. They can see and hear this entire interaction. And so if this man ever had any hopes of getting back in their good graces, getting back into the temple, he had just blown it. Because now he's not only proclaimed that Jesus is the Messiah, he's actually bowing down and worshiping him as well. But he doesn't care because he is spiritually alive. He is spiritually able to see. And again, when you and I can see Jesus clearly, it doesn't matter what other people may think. It doesn't matter what the cost may be. The only thing that you can do, you say, is, you know what, I'm going to bow down. I'm going to lay down before Jesus and give my sin. I'm going to give my hopes. I'm going to give my dreams. I'm going to give all my goals, all my future to him because he is the only one that's truly worthy of that. And as you're down there, you go, Jesus, it's not about me. It's all about you from this moment on. It's not about my will being done. It's about your will being done. See, when you surrender your life like that, everything's going to change. Your eyes are now open. It's going to change how you view your marriage and your parenting. It's going to change how you view your, your career and your future hopes and dreams and goals. It's going to change how you define the word success. It's going to reprioritize how you spend your time and how you spend your money because your eyes are truly open. So I wrap up today, I want to encourage you to examine your own life. Are your spiritual eyes open or not? Are you like the man in the story? Are you being obedient to Jesus in every way? Are you being bold for him at all times, no matter what the cost may be? Have you surrendered everything to him? Or are you like the Pharisees? And you think that your eyes are open, but it turns out you're actually blind to your blindness. So what is it for you? What is it for you? Obedient, bold, and surrendering, or blind to your blindness? I asked you today as I began the message, how many of you want to see the power of God displayed in your life? And every single one of you raised your hand. Again, many times we think that, well, that has to do with like miraculous things that I'm able to do. But again, what we see here is that God's power is made perfect in our weakness. That sometimes it's just people seeing God working through your life, even despite whether it's a physical handicap or, or any other type of uh, trouble or suffering you're going through. And that God can be displayed, his power can be displayed, just like it was in the blind man. Now, now Jesus displayed his power by actually physically opening his eyes. But even more importantly, it was that spiritual opening of the eyes. And other people can see God's power displayed 
if you'll just be like this blind man here. Be obedient, be bold, and surrender all to Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity once again to look at an amazing encounter that someone had with you, just how much their life was changed. And just as we looked at last week, that um, even greater than the, the physical healing last week, we saw that the, the greater gift was the man's friends. And today, even greater than the, the physical healing of blindness, the greater thing was that not the physical blindness that was healed, but the spiritual blindness that was healed. So Lord, I pray for each and every one of us that we would be more like the man in the story than we are like the Pharisees. And help us to right now examine our own lives and allow your spirit to speak to us. Am I being obedient to Jesus at all times and in every way? Let your spirit speak. Am I being bold for Jesus at all times? Or do I hold back because I'm afraid of what other people may think or what the consequences may be if I'm bold for Jesus? Lord, finally, let your spirit convict us. Have we surrendered our lives to you in every way? Are we worshiping you? Have we laid everything at your feet? Lord, I pray today that if there's anybody that needs to have their spiritual eyes open for the first time, that they would, they would do that, that they would just ask for your forgiveness, they would ask for your leadership, that you would give them that spiritual sight. And Lord, for those that maybe they, they've prayed that prayer before, but today's message has helped them to see that maybe their eyes aren't as fully open as what they should be. Lord, I pray that right now they would be being convicted and convinced of what is pure and what is holy, what is right, what is true, what is noble, what is pure. That, Lord, that they would surrender those things to you, that they would be obedient and bold, and that they would walk out of this building or, or tune off of our, our broadcast today just brand new, their eyes truly open, no longer blind, to their own blindness. Jesus, we thank you that your power will be displayed in our lives, whether it's through the miraculous or whether it's through suffering and the endurance that, that we have in that suffering. Lord, we don't always know why you allow things in our lives. We don't always know the, the cause of our suffering, but we know that you have a purpose for those things. And that what Satan has meant for evil, you can turn it around and use it for good. And so, Lord, in the, the mountaintops and the, even in the valleys, help us to glorify you and praise you in all things. I pray all this in the mighty and the precious name of Jesus. Amen.